one of the things I've learned over the last 25 years is that everyone can scale further than you think. They may not scale infinitely, but everyone can scale further than you think if they're intentional about it. You don't want to get to the point where someone says, you're not ready for X. And the way to avoid that is two years before you figure out what that is, and then you start getting ready for it. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I spoke with a client this morning who, after months of back and forth, finally came to accept what has been in front of him for some time. It's time to shut it down. The years of work, sacrifice, sweat, highs and lows, all towards a goal that will not be met. I could see the confusing mix of feelings in his face. Sadness, defeat, relief, fear. And then he asked the question, what was it all for? Oh man, I have been there. I've had my share of experiences, including companies or projects, that I put so much into that I knew weren't going to make it, but it was time to end it. And I can remember the weight of those moments, the sense of relief in the ending, and then the questions and the doubt. What was it all for? What's next? Was it a waste? When you're in the heat of a moment like this, it's hard to see beyond the confusion and the weight of it. But when you are a close outsider like I was and I am for my client, you can see it differently. With time, experience, distance, something comes that is incredibly powerful. Perspective. My client right now may feel like it was all a waste. When I look at him, I see a man who is a very different man than the one who started the company three years ago. I see a man who not only knows how to take an idea to a real product, how to hire and build a team, how to test and iterate, but I see a man who now knows how to lead, who knows more of himself, what he's capable of, the depths of his resiliency. I see a man who knows how to move through the hardest moments in a way that supports instead of inhibits his growth. I see a man who has learned how to become a father in the midst of a hectic workplace. With the power of perspective, I can see beyond this very moment to the larger arc of learning and growth. I see a man who almost knew nothing about being an entrepreneur and a leader, to now as a man who has so much to teach. My gift and privilege as a coach is to help him see that too. His opportunity is to grow from this moment so he has knowledge and perspective for himself and for others in the future. This is not a waste. Matt Bloomberg is a man who has so much to teach, so much to give to other founders, leaders, organizations. He's the founder and CEO of Bolster, a marketplace for on-demand executive and board talent that was launched in the heart of the pandemic. Previously was the chairman and CEO at Return Path for 20 years before its sale. He's also the author of three books, including the most recent book, Startup CXO, a field guide to scaling up your company's critical functions and teams. Now he has gone through quite a bit of building and leading and the ups and downs that come through it. He's had many experiences where he had to face the unknown. And with the gift of time, reflection, perspective, he now sees clearly what he might have offered the man of the past, what he has available to teach the younger version of himself. And he sought to offer that through his work at Bolster as well as through his books. In this conversation with Jerry, Matt shares more of his story, 
what he wishes he knew and is now teaching others, what perspective and experience can do for him today as a CEO, and how in even the moments like the one my client is going through can become the seed of our work in the future. Enjoy. Reboot Your Year is our invitation to you to pause and honor the transition into this new year. This simple yet powerful five-day course will guide you through this annual transition with grace and open you to the promise and hope of the year ahead. The course unfolds through daily emails, each with a koan to consider and a guided journaling practice handcrafted by the Reboot team. Each day's practice takes less than 20 minutes to complete. We hope you'll enjoy this course so much you'll make it part of your annual practice. We've heard from many of you that you have, and you'll share it with teammates and colleagues as well. Learn how to reboot your year at reboot.io slash reboot new year. Hey, Matt. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for coming in. And it's good to we're seeing each other in person. Good to see you're one of this is one of the first in-person meetings that I've had. Why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Matt Blumberg. I'm founder and CEO of a new startup called Bolster. Uh, Bolster is in the executive talent marketplace space. Um, Before this, I spent 20 years building uh, and running and ultimately selling a company called Return Path in the email marketing space. Which I was an investor in. you were an investor in. Yes. Yeah. Way back when I was an investor with Fred and Fred Wilson and And Bradfeld. Uh, flat iron in my old flat iron days. Yeah, we were the. I believe uh, Return Path was the last new investment that Flatiron made. That may have been true. Yeah. And so now you're on to something new. Now we're on to something new. Mm-hmm. And um, Bolster has been a really fun journey so far. The company's just over a year old. We have what might be a record eight co-founders. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure well, there's not nine, not a baseball team. I'm sure there's a whole story in there someday, but uh, it's a, a whole team of us that work together building return path. Uh, the, the, the newbie on the team was with us for five years. Mm. Uh, and it goes all the way back to Jack Sinclair, who was my co-founder at return path and one of the co-founders here. Mm. So he and I have worked together for 20 plus years. Mm. And, um, we are having a great time, uh, and I think we're doing some really important work for the startup ecosystem. Well, before we get into what Bolster is or anything like that, um, the burning question I have is, what on earth are you thinking starting all over again? Uh, you know, it's, it's been a really interesting uh, journey starting something from scratch again. Mm-hmm. And when we sold Return Path and I left, I did not want to start something from scratch. I said, you know what? I, I, I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. You know, we built something to hundred million dollar plus revenue level, 500 people global, the whole bit and 20 year, um, run. 20 year run. And, um, uh, you know, I thought what I wanted to do was do something either bigger mm. or something that was, you know, sort of close to that size that had a lot of opportunity to scale. And I had kind of felt like I had really built a, 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 a pretty solid skill set in managing a, a you know sort of gross size or mid-sized organization, uh, which is a totally different skill set than, than startup. Um, you know, it's all about mobilizing the, the troops and motivating the troops and a lot of communication, a lot of, a lot of human problem solving. And I, I dabbled in that for a little while. Um, I did some consulting and some interim kind of things. 
and then you know ultimately decided that um, I, I really wanted to do something small again, and uh, and I had this group of people that you know we'd worked together for a long time and all wanted to to do something together, and we uh, played around with a bunch of different ideas and different combinations. We wanted to do something in and for the startup ecosystem. Um, we wanted to do something that was going to have a material impact on how startups um, succeed and on. Uh, you know, when you think about that, you know, startups fundamentally need three things, right? They need a good idea, they need money, and they need the right people to bring that idea to life. And we weren't going to get into the idea business or the money business. Um, we really wanted to get into the people business. So we, we can talk more about Bolster later. But mm. what's been really interesting about starting a business uh, in in our 50s as mm. opposed to in our 20s, like the so last most one. Of you, most of the eight are the, in your 50s? The, uh, over half, yeah. I think the average age of the founding team is probably 50 or 51. Three wow. of us turned 50 as we were starting the business. Mm. And Return Path, we started in our in our late 20s. And uh, it's, a, it's a very different game when you start it having had a pretty significant journey along the way with successes and failures. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that we're not making mistakes this time, but I, I think we're probably making fewer. Um, we are executing very, very efficiently and very effectively. Um, some of that is the, you know, it's individuals with a lot of experience and some of it is that our team has a lot of experience working together. And what I've discovered, you know, about, about me, and I think it's true of a lot of us on the team, is first of all, it's way more fun to operate with a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You know, by year 20 <laughs> of something, there's not a lot of blank slate left, mm-hmm. right? You're optimizing, you're refactoring, you're scaling. Image. I have this image of all those uh, ghost marker marks on the dry erase board where it's no longer clear. <laughs> you need to buy a new board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm loving working with a clean slate yeah. and, and inventing from scratch as opposed to optimizing. And um, the other thing is uh, I really missed doing the early stage stuff. And Mm -hmm. I had forgotten that because it had been so long, but you know, my, my day used to be consumed with, with running the company, whatever that meant. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of meetings, a lot of communication, a lot of Mm -hmm. making sure that the managers and the managers of managers and the department heads are, are aligned. Uh, and you know, lots of communicating, a lot of board and shareholder things. And I, you know, if I spend 5% of my week now doing that stuff, I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the moment I'm a sales rep, I'm a product manager, I'm a customer success rep, I'm a pro serve guy. Mm -hmm. Um, some days I'm an SDR, some days I'm a copywriter Mm -hmm. and I love every minute of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's fun to be on the on the front line mm. as opposed to watching the front line. Mm. And like, mm. I was a pretty hands-on CEO at Return Path. It's not like I was, you know, ordering people around from the corner office, but it's totally different when you're, when you're actually doing the, all, all the work. Mm. So. so I'm going to take you back in time. You used to have a blog. I still do. What, what is the name of that blog? Um, I renamed it startupceo.com. Right, but what was the original name? The original name was Only Once. Right. And uh, you can still get to it if you go to, I think it's onlyonceblog.com. And what was Only Once referring to? And uh, your former partner, Fred, our mutual friend, Fred Wilson, inspired that name. He wrote, he started, well, he was one of the first bloggers. Yeah. And he started his blog in 2003. 
And he wrote a post in early 2004 entitled, You're Only a First-Time CEO Once. I think what he was talking about was, you, you, know, you only have the first lap around the track that one right. time, and you know, it's okay to make mistakes, you just have to learn from the mistakes, et cetera. And, and I thought, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is my once. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that always struck me about it was how well-written it was and how poignant it got to be at times. And um, I don't think I've ever said this to you, but I can't tell you the number of people I pointed that blog to, especially as I, you know, veered off, left venture capital, started coaching, and I would start to point to people to that blog. Because the thing that you sh- that struck me about what you were doing was you were um, documenting in real time your own journey and you were making notes. Now, you know, there's an old coaching trick, right? Which is whenever somebody's in a transition, you ask them to think about, you know, what lessons would you want to pass on to a younger version of you? And the thing that struck me as I was thinking about uh, sitting down today was that you were documenting those lessons as you were learning those lessons. That's right. I mean, that, that's, that's what it's ended up being. And, and I know I'm going to jump to, to the next phase. I can imagine that you changed the title when you launched the book, Startup CEO, version 1.0. Um, which again is another resource that I can't tell you the number of times I've said to people, you should be reading this book. Thank you. And I think that that's a really important mitzvah you did for the people behind you. You know, I often think about the experiences that we have. And sometimes I'll say this even in the middle of a coaching session. Let me talk to you not as a coach, but let me talk to you like an older brother. And it kind of goes like this. The patch you're about to enter, that's rough. But I'm over here on the other side. And it's okay. You're going to make it through. And you're smiling. Does that resonate with you? It does. It does. I mean, the, the, um, the blog and the, the, the book, Startup CEO, were both kind of, um, they, were, they were very much, hey, I wish I had this resource yes. myself. <laughs> yes. Um, like no one teaches you how to be a CEO yeah. unless you're working at a giant company and you're being groomed for it for 20 years, yeah. right? Someone teaches you how to be the CEO of GE. Yeah. Um, but no one teaches you how to be the CEO of a startup. And last of all, no one's going to teach you how to be a startup of your own C- company right. that you found. Right. So but I interrupted you. No, so that was it. I mean, it, the 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 I thought that was missing from. I I read a ton of business books, and I I've gotten value out of, you know, all of them, most of them, um, but this one didn't didn't exist. And um, there's a great line from from Toni Morrison, obviously a very different kind of author, mm. um, who said something to the effect of, "If you want to read a book, and you can't find it, you must write it." Mm. So that, that, that inspired it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you think of that younger Matt, that late 20 something year old Matt, and you know, it's a bit cliche, but it's worth asking at this point. 
what would you tell him now at 50 on your next startup with all this accumulated knowledge that you've had? What would you tell him? I think what I would tell him is um, as much as you love your company, the company you founded, right? You're pouring your heart and soul into it, right? As much as you're going to love your company, you might love the next one even more. Mm. And, you know, I think I've met a ton of founders and entrepreneurs over the years. I spent a lot of time mentoring and coaching people and forget about founders who fall in love with their product and can't hear no and all of that. But there's, there are so many founders who just, who love the environment that they create with their company, the team that they've surrounded themselves with. They're excited to go to work every day. They love their mission. Mm -hmm. I think that can get in the way sometimes of um, of, of challenging yourself and asking yourself the hard questions of, are we doing well? Are we not doing well? What can we be doing better? And I, I've heard a number of founders say to me over the years, um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm scared to do the next thing. I'm scared to move on. I'm scared. I don't know if I, should, someone wants to buy the company. Should I sell the company or not? Should I shut it down? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm, you know, this is as good as it's going to get. Right. I'm not going to love the next thing as much. Mm-hmm. And um, I think good advice for a, you know, for a, a first time founder is you might love the next one even more. I think that's a beautiful phrase, man. I, I, you know, I thought about the the you might shut it down because several times over the course of this podcast we've had conversations i've I've talked to entrepreneurs who were sort of in that moment of you know there's a kind of zombie state Mm -hmm. that a company can enter where it's not really progressing but it's not really failing and you know i thought of that when you when you ask the question are we actually doing well right which is actually a quite complex question because what does well mean right we're paying the bills um, but are we in a place where we're thriving? And what does success mean? Because success at 28 may be very different than success at 38 or 48. And um, I think that, that one of the challenges, if you love and can only think that you love the thing that's in front of you, is uh, you may be reluctant to make the shifts to, to hire a replacement CEO, which is another big sure. transitional question. Um, and those unanswered questions tend to exacerbate the difficult journey that's already hard. It's already hard enough to do it. Does that resonate? For sure, yeah. The other thing I think that, that resonates with that is I think su- successful founders have to ask those questions and answer them and challenge themselves on two dimensions at the same time, mm-hmm. right? One is the company and the other is you. And, um, and sometimes they're aligned and sometimes they're not aligned. Mm-hmm. And the times where they're not aligned, it's actually even more important to dig into mm-hmm. the two questions as separate questions. 
can you uh, elaborate on the two questions, the separate questions? Well, so, I mean, there maybe there's a series of questions, right? But they're the series of questions around, is the company doing well? Yeah. Right? Is it having an impact? Is it vibrant? Are employees engaged? Um, is it solving customers' problems? Uh, are shareholders happy? Um, and those are a really different set of questions from, am I, as the founder, thriving? Mm-hmm. Um, and those questions, I, that I have a set of questions that I ask myself every year, which I think I, I wrote about in the blog at one point, and it's, am I learning and growing mm. still in year 5, 10, 15, 20? Um, am I having fun? Um, am I having an impact? And uh, am I making enough money? Mm. And, um, you know, thinking through whether you do it at the end of the calendar year on your anniversary of starting the company or just once in a while, thinking through those two sets of questions, it's, it's a useful exercise, each set and then the two together. Mm-hmm. So, so let's fast forward because we, we just time travel to the past a bit. How are you holding those questions now as you launch Bolster? And for extra credit, um, I get that part of Bolster's mission is to positively impact the startup ecosystem. So how are you holding those questions now? You know, I think the, the challenges that you have as a CEO trying to scale a business are many. Mm. And there are always challenges about money and balance sheet and investors, and there are always challenges about product. Uh, technical scaling. Is there enough market addressable market in front of me? Wow, we're a lot bigger now. Is there still enough addressable market? Do I have to redraw the boundaries of the business? So scaling a business has those challenges. Scaling a business has a lot of operational challenges. I, I always refer to it as the art of the teardown, mm. right? The, you know, all of a sudden, all the systems and processes that have been in place for the last two years don't work anymore. And you got to tear them down. And it's kind of a bummer because you were the one that built them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as good as founders and CEOs are at building things, it can be really difficult mm. to tear them down, mm. um, you know, mentally, emotionally, uh, et cetera. But um, scaling the leadership talent of a company and scaling the board of a company mm. need not be as difficult as I think they are. What we're trying to build at Bolster is an agile way of scaling your leadership team and an agile way of scaling your board. And that means it matches the tempo and the needs of a startup, which are quick, which are fluid, um, which are not necessarily the same thing in every seat all of the time. Startups can't afford an experienced C-level executive in seven different seats around the table. They can't afford to get them, and then they can't afford to pay for them. But startups also can't afford not to have the right advice and expertise around the table when they need it most. So Bolster is designed as an on-demand talent marketplace for executives uh, to connect those executives with, with startups, with CEOs. And we place people for different kinds of roles than you would normally think of. We place board members that you think about, and that's a little bit of a different business. Um, Occasionally, we'll do a full-time placement. But for Mm. the most part, what we're placing are coaches and mentors and 
uh, interim executives and fractional executives. And you know, think about the, the use case of a fractional executive, which many people haven't even heard that term. What does that mean? How can you be a part-time CFO? You can be a part-time CFO. Um, startups don't necessarily need a CFO 365 days a year, but it's probably really helpful to have one a couple days a month. Mm-hmm. And as they get bigger, maybe a couple days a week before they grow into full-time. The world of um, mentors is a, a really important world that we didn't pioneer or invent, right? I mean, uh, the mentors have been around for a long time, and mm. TechStars, uh, you know, was probably the the you know sort of a flashpoint in the history of mentoring, and mm-hmm. in you know in terms of, of uh, CEOs and tech. But um, mentors are a great way of bringing expertise and talent into an organization without hiring people. Uh, mentors are a great way to look at your existing team which you know, may be junior people, maybe people that have never done the job before, mm. and be able to say to them, no, I've got confidence that you can get to the next level, but I can't be the only one getting you there, and you can't be the only one getting you there. Let's go find someone who can help. So I want to take you back to, to you were sharing before some of the core questions that you would sort of annually ask yourself. What I'm curious about is, how are you holding those questions now uh, as your, let's put it this way, you're only a second time founder once. <laughs> so here's the, here's the difference. Um, uh, my expectations, our founding team's expectations are very different this time around. Mm. We are much more impatient to get to the answer. And what I mean by the answer is, um, is it working, is it not working? Right. Um, you know, I think first time around the track for me and for a lot of other founders that I talk to, they love the journey. And they're learning every minute of the journey. And, um, you know, for us this time around, it was, you know, we want to go after a big idea. Um, we're going to go after it with big team. We're going to go after it with eight co-founders. Eight co-founders, right? We're going to go after it with who are um, old guys, old people. <laughs> we want to go after it with some great investors and people we've worked with for a long time, right. and some newer investors as well. So right. we, you know we're adequately funded, um, but we don't want to spend five years figuring out if it's going to work or not. Um, so I think the the cycle time of asking those questions again and again and again. It's not, we're not asking them at the end of every year. We're asking them at the end of every month or quarter. I'm going to tell you a story. I want to see if this resonates with you. One of my earliest investments, one of the first investments I made at Flatiron way back was in a company uh, called Mainspring. And I co-invested with two really, really talented co-investors, Paul Mader from Highland and Bill Kaiser from Greylock. And the CEO's name was John Connolly. And John was a terrific CEO. And about 10 months after I made the investment, uh, John scared the crap out of me by announcing at a board meeting that the model wasn't working. And 
And as I remember it, and I'm probably distorting it because it's memory, and it was a long time ago, Paul and Bill were incredibly calm because they had backed John before. And John offered to give what remained of the money back to us. Or he said, I could take a couple more weeks, fire everybody except the CFO. His name was Mark. And uh, Mark and John would come back with a new business plan. And then we could decide if we wanted to go forward with the original funding. And that story just popped into my head when you were talking about being impatient to know if it was going to work or not. Now, as an early investor, I was, and early in my career, I was terrified because it felt like I had just made this investment. What do you mean it's not working? But you're smiling and laughing and nodding as I'm telling this story. What, what do you make of that story? Well, uh, what I, I'm reflecting on, um, we had a... Uh, uh, the founders had a, a meeting on the one year, basically the one year mark after we started the company. And um, so it was just a, a couple months ago. It was the first time we'd met in person. Mm. Uh, it was like just when people were starting to come out of the pandemic shell. Mm. And of the eight of us, uh, three of us have been uh, founders before mm. uh, and the other five a new experience. And um, and I forget that sometimes because we've been working together for so long. Like I know we know how to work together, but it, but right. I forget sometimes that five people have never been on the founding journey before. Right. And uh, one of our co-founders, Jen, kind of stopped the meeting at some point. I started. I was you know kind of standing up in front of the room, a little state of the state, and um, she stopped me and she said, "I just have a quick question for you. Are we doing well?" <laughs> and I, I had kind of taken you know taken that for granted and. and I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I know we have a lot of good things going on. Like, that's that's obvious. I know we're talking about the good things going on. But, you know, but are we where we expect to be? Like, are we doing well? And I thought about it. And actually, the reason I was smiling is I said something that sort of mirrored that that story about Mainspring, which is I said, I said, there's a version of us that gets to the one-year mark and gives the money back mm-hmm. and says, nope, didn't get there. It's not going to, it's never going to be worth all of our time. Uh, and I said, and we're not there. We're, we had a great first year, and now we're about to have an even greater second year. Um, so did, I, And did you terrify anybody <laughs> with that statement? <laughs> I don't know. Not, not, that anyone, not that anyone admitted. Well, you know, it's funny. When you tell this story, and now that I think about John even further, this was, I think, John, certainly his second startup, if not his third startup. And so there's something really powerful I think that we're both hitting upon here, which is that maybe part of the wisdom that gets gleaned in this process is to know that there's life after the startup, right? Maybe that's a corollary to the, uh, you may love the second thing more than the first. And that is um, letting go of the first doesn't necessarily mean an end. Mm -hmm. It's a closing of a chapter, right. not the closing of the book. That resonates with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of books, um, part of what you've been doing is also following up, if you will, to not only Startup CEO 2.0, which is now in a, you know, its, its second version, started, but 
but startup CXO. I mean, what you did was, I mean, you call it a field guide. It almost looks like a textbook. It's a book of books. It's a book of books. And, 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 the, and the thing that strikes me about it, and I think you said this you, uh, either in the introduction or somewhere in the book, it's not a book to be read cover to cover. It's a book designed to sit on the shelf and being taken down and referred to time and time again. Is that right? Yeah, it's, um, it's 140 chapters of how to do something. Each right. chapter is how to do something. Right. So uh, I think there are a few ways to read the book. You, you could read it front to back. Right. Um, there are a couple of brave souls that will probably do that. Right. Um, the, you can read a chapter or you can read a section or a couple of sections. And the structure of the book, so if, if startup CEO is how to be a startup CEO, this is uh, startup CXO is how to be uh, the head of any function in a startup. So the first 20 chapters are how to be a startup CFO, uh, written by my longtime CFO partner, Jack. Uh, the second section is how to be the head of HR at a startup. Uh, and it goes through each section is about 20 chapters of how to do each functional job, sales, marketing, uh, business development, customer success, product, engineering, um, privacy, maybe forgetting one. Uh, so let's go back to the Tony Morrison quote for a moment. What was missing that called this book into being? So the first thing um, was from the perspective of CEO um, was most CEOs, especially founding first-time CEOs, come up through one function. They come up in the ranks through one function. They were a good marketer. They're a technical CEO. Mm -hmm. They were a salesperson, sales rep, head of sales. So they know that function really well. And they, they know how to hire for that function. They know how to manage and supervise that function. They know how to scale that function. But they, they probably don't know that for all the functions. Mm. So that was the thing missing for me, where startup CEO is kind of how to do your job every day a big part of your job is, is supervising all these other jobs. Mm -hmm. And what was missing for me was, God, you know, I wish someone had told me what's involved with running a sales department before I became a CEO, because that would have made me a better leader mm -hmm. for the person running the sales department. And, and, and it would make you better at recruiting someone for that position. Right. I mean, one of the, one of the experiences that I have, a lot of my clients will go through is, they go through that expensive search process that we were talking about before. They go through that expense, and they, they, they turn to me as well, how do I know if this person is good in their job? There's a well reference check. Well, and the reference checks. But really, I think part of what you're giving them is, is uh, in effect, a cheat sheet for understanding that function so that when you're, you're interviewing, whether it's fractional through bolster, or it's a full-time placed position, um, what's happening is you have a knowledge base that you can have a, a coherent conversation about whether or not this is the right person for the job. That's right. Right? Yeah. Now, I could also imagine, you know, asking a potential candidate to read the relevant section and say, now, given our mutual understanding of what the job is, now give me your 30, 60, 90 day plan before you step into the job. Right. And by the way, if you're not succeeding in that, talk to me about how you'll handle that. Right. 
you know, in some ways, that's the thing that I really appreciate about what you've done with this, you and the co-authors of whom there are a number. Um, what you've really done is put together in, in a sec, not, not just a guidepost for the CEO, the way in some ways startup CEO is, but something that everybody in the executive team can pull down. Because the truth is, the marketing person needs to understand what the heck is going on with the CFO. Absolutely. Right? Think about all the conflicts that we have both had to, had to manage right. at executive team level. And a lot of it comes down to, I don't understand why that person's always doing X. You want to have empathy for your teammates <laughs> on an executive team? <laughs> Yeah. Forget even empathy. Just go with just, common just, language. That's right. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> it's like, okay, so yeah. this is what we're, oh, your job is actually right. to do this. I thought your job was to do right. that. One of the fun things about working on this project was that all the co-authors had a shared experience of working at Return Path for some number of years, but all the co-authors had plenty of other experiences of working at other places. Mm. So there is, and I think Pete wrote this in his sort of afterward, like there's a nice common thread that runs through it, but this is not the story of a particular company. That's right. And um, one of my favorite moments reading, as I was reading it for the first time and sort of reading each person's section and, you know, kind of proofing it and commenting on it, my uh, longtime chief people officer at Return Path, Kathy Hawley, who's one of the co-authors and one of my co-founders at Bolster, I start reading her section and I learned something about her I had never known before, which was that her first job out of college was running HR for a hundred person truck stop. Mm. And the job of running HR for a truck stop is pretty different than the job <laughs> of running HR for, uh, you know, for a tech company. Yeah. And, um, and I found that as I was reading each section that, you know, there were things about, um, that person's view of what the function was and what made it successful and what scaled it and what connected it to the other functions that I hadn't thought about before. Well, and, and those bits and pieces of origin stories go forward, roll forward, and impact and shape their view of the job for the rest of their lives. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of what's built into the book is also now built into Bolster. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you know, kind of underpinning of Bolster is the functional competencies and skills with each role. Um, so you're, if you're searching for someone, you're not just saying, oh, I need a CFO. Well, what kind of CFO? Mm-hmm. What does that CFO need to be great at in your environment right now for the right. next leg of your journey? Right, right. Um, and then, you know, the other side of the marketplace, when we onboard a member, what are you great at? Right. What are you passionate about? You know, uh, you, you, you've just helped me understand another use case for this. Which is that, um, you know, too often, and, 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 you know, we both are, are cognizant of companies that are going through this. Too often what happens is a board uh, will start to say to the founding team, even at a successful company, oh, you're not um, public company ready. You're not the kind of person who can take a company public. And there st- tends to be that leveling up and leveling over and over, over uh, taking people, bringing people in above the existing people. And there's very little dialogue about what does it actually mean? What does it mean? Um, and and this, let's acknowledge, too, that there's a lot of room for bias in that. You know, bias towards men, for example, away from women. Bias towards white men and away from people of color. 
there's a lot of bias built into you're not ready. But there's also a lack of language about what does it mean to be ready. There's a lack of dialogue. And so your comment about a CFO who's right for this stage of the company versus this stage of a company, I think is a really important uh, dialogue that we, we, we don't have a lot of conversation around. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And I think, look, I always say one of the things I've learned over the last 25 years is that um, everyone can scale further than you think. Mm. They may not scale infinitely, right? The a startup founder may not be the, the guy running General Motors someday um, or, the, or the woman running General Motors someday. But everyone can scale further than you think if they're intentional about it, right? If they care about it and they try. And the ability to, um, I call it, you know, sort of see around corners, um, I think is really important to, to scaling one's career no matter where you are in your journey. And you don't want to get to the point where someone says, you're not ready for X. Mm. And the way to avoid that is two years before you figure out what, what that is. Right. And then you start getting ready for it. Right. And so you have, you, you have that view of what that is supposed to be and you know where you're, you're to be filling in those experience gaps, those education gaps, those knowledge gaps, that sort of thing. Well, Matt, I really want to thank you for coming in and having this. First of all, it's just a delight to see you. And it's a delight to, this is my first post-pandemic live recording for the podcast. So mazel tov to both of us. <laughs> I really appreciate the book and I appreciate the effort that you all put into doing that. And thanks for coming on the show. It's great to see you in all three dimensions. All three dimensions, body, heart, and mind. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? Did any human being ever reach that kind of light? I call on the resting soul of Galileo, king of night vision, king of insight. We often talk about the work of rebooting your leadership as individual work you can't do alone. If each member of your leadership team is pursuing the work of self-inquiry and actualization, that's wonderful. But to create the company that you'd all like to work for, you must also create the opportunity for the collective to grow. Experiences like facilitated leadership groups, offsite retreats, organizational change explorations, and immersive leadership trainings move the organization closer to its fullest expression of the inherent values. At Reboot, we're here to support you and your team members in bringing forth the best that you have, using everything that emerges from organizational life, both the challenges and successes, as opportunities to grow. Head to reboot.io slash team experiences to learn more 
and more about Reboot's virtual and in-person team offerings.